Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a show for 20-somethings that are trying to figure out adulting. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Each episode, we focus on solving a problem that we will face throughout this defining decade that wasn't covered in the classroom. This could include topics about our career, health, relationships, and money. Let's get into it. I love listening to stories that require someone to take a chance. And today's episode is packed with those. You'll hear from my friend Ahmed Jabber. He exhibits and embodies the phrase, bet on yourself. One of my favorite stories he tells is how he pitched the co-founder of the wildly popular YouTube channel, Yes Theory, to hire him for a job that wasn't even created yet. His one-of-a-kind interview got him an instant yes. This bravado would be impressive with anyone, but Ahmed wasn't always this bold. Up through college, he was shy, lacked confidence, and thought he was stupid. But a few personal development projects changed everything for him. In one of his most recent projects, Ahmed set out to meet 100 strangers. He was blown away by the people that he met and the stories he heard. We'll get into all of that and more in this episode. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the TEDx speaker and ongoing discomfort seeker, Ahmed Jabber. So I know you sent out 100 letters of gratitude to a bunch of different people. And inside of that letter was a ticket that said free Ahmed Toronto tour um, if they ever visited. So A, has anyone taken you up on that offer? And B, what are your one, what are one or two slam dunks on your go-to Toronto tour schedule? Ooh, okay. Uh, I've had two people taking me up on the offer. And the first is uh, my girlfriend, because I actually met her through my project. She was number 60. So the first time she came and visited to Toronto like a year ago, uh, as a joke, inside joke, she pulled this out. Okay, I want my Ahmed tour. <laughs> and then the second person is actually a friend I met from Texas. And um, he mentioned that he's going to be coming around the spring. And we're still trying to figure out if our schedules are going to match, but he even mentioned, he's like, I'd love to cash in my Ahmed Toronto tour. So uh, I love the fact that people still remember it. And I actually, through a mutual friend, I didn't meet this person uh, through the project, but they're friends with one of the people I met from my project. And they reached out to me and they took a picture of the ticket and they're like, wow, this is such a cool thing because one of their friends I met showed it to them. And I'm, I can't believe that people still have their tickets and they still uh, own it. I'm just, I'm surprised people still remember it. So I feel very honored, grateful and flattered there. Uh, <laughs> in regards to a place where I take them in Toronto, honestly, one of my favorite spots is Evergreen Brickworks. It's like this park where you can see like the Toronto skyline, but you're around completely complete nature and you're on like a very top high hill so uh, i absolutely love it i always take my friends or whoever visits toronto to that exact spot because it's just such a i feel like it's such a magical place so um all for that and the second is i'd say it's not in toronto so it's cheating but i take them to niagara falls why Niagara Falls? I feel like it's also a very magical place. Uh, it's an hour and a half drive from Toronto, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I've always went there a lot as a kid. Whenever we had family visit, I'd have my family and parents show that guest or visitor Niagara Falls in the summer. 
And I got to a point where I became completely sick of it. I'm like, I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm tired of going on vacation or trips there. Cause it just, uh, it just seemed like it was so repetitive, but now I feel like I'm almost repeating that same cycle where I actually have some of my girlfriend's friends coming to Toronto like next week. And on the first day they're coming, I'm actually taking them to Niagara Falls. And we planned like a whole big group trip, invited my friends over. So it's, uh, I'm almost like repeating some certain cycles that I saw throughout my own parents. Uh, but I absolutely love it. It's such a, it's a, such a fascinating place to see such a big waterfall there. And I'm guessing that's the Canadian side because I'm, I often hear that the Canadian side is way better than the U.S. side. Oh, yeah. Way better. Way better. No competition. <laughs> well, Ahmed, uh, I'm super excited for this conversation. We're actually having it on a Sunday, and it's been quite some time since I've had a weekend podcast interview. Most of the time, I feel like I'm doing it right near the end of work or um, right after work. So I'm still somewhat in work mode, which lends that that conversation to lean that direction. But right now I'm feeling very fun and open, uh, which is great because you're quite the storyteller. And I think a lot of this conversation will just be around some of the fun stories that have precipitated throughout your life. So let's start with one of those. Tell me who is Rob Lawrence and how did he make such an influence on you in 2022? Uh, Rob Lawless? Yeah, law, Lawless. Yes, yeah. my bad. So, no, I'll just double checking. Um, Rob is someone that has made such a gigantic, and I mean gigantic, uh, impact on my own life. Uh, Rob's on a mission to meet 10,000 people, and he's met about 4,500-ish right now, I believe, uh, possibly more. And he meets with each person one-on-one for an hour. Then he makes like an Instagram post about them. And before the pandemic, he meet with each person in person, and he had met by then like over 3,000 people. But now, once the pandemic started, he's been meeting people virtually. And each person, like, he doesn't really guide. Uh, it's cool because he sets it where he just wants to connect with that person. They don't need to share their life story or any of that. He just lets it be. And when I heard the story of Rob, I was so fascinated by it. I was hooked. I was inspired. I'm like, I want to start a project where I meet, if, if Rob's meeting 10,000, I want to start a project where I meet 100. And the reason I, I decided to go about that is because I feel like I always struggled a lot socially growing up. I It's something I've been on a journey of although nine years ago to start challenging myself socially. And so whenever I see like a cool opportunity to challenge myself socially, I take it. I just go for it. And so at the start of the pandemic, uh, when a lot of my travel plans got canceled, I'm like, okay, I want to meet a hundred people. And so Rob ended up becoming my second person. And throughout seven months, I ended up meeting a hundred people. And it was so damn cool. And um, I recently did a TEDx about this project. And I mentioned Rob and how much he inspired me that year back in 2020. So I'm going to be forever grateful for Rob paving the way for someone like myself. That is neat. So did you organize in similar fashion to how Rob organized his? Because I'm assuming meeting 10,000 people, he has to have that system down pretty well in terms of like, here's how you book with me. And like, I, I, I guess it sounded like the conversation in general is very open-ended. So maybe even a better question, what did you and Rob talk about whenever you, you guys met? 
I spoke about my story and my journey for half of it, but the second half, I ended up just picking his brain about like, hey, I'm going to be, he knew I was doing this project before we even met because a few days before we had met uh, or a week before I posted in the yesterday Facebook group, it's like Facebook, for those that don't know and are listening, it's a Facebook group with over 150,000 global members and people here are super active. It's awesome. So that's actually where I posted about my project and the intention that I had set. I told people, I got a whiteboard. I wrote on it. Uh, my name is Ahmed. I'm from Toronto. I'd love to hear your story. And then I took a picture and posted in that group. And it just ended up getting hundreds of comments from people all over the world. And one of them, someone had tagged Rob and even he ended up commenting on my post. And so I'm like, uh, he's like, uh, let's meet up. I'll be one of your people and you'll be one of my people. And I'm like, <laughs> heck yeah, let's do it. And so when we did end up meeting, like the first half I shared about my own personal life and the second half, I just, I picked his brain. I'm like, what do you do? What systems, this, that. And it was the coolest uh, thing ever. Cause he was so giving and willing to allow me to understand like the way he does it in his own system. That's neat. So you ended up actually meeting a hundred people. I think you finished after seven months time, a um, hundred people, 89 cities, 45 different countries. So a plethora of different stories and backgrounds. What are one or two stories that you heard from people that left a huge impact on you? Mm, I'd say one that comes to mind is when I met uh, the 13th person. Her name is um, Boyana, and she has a great Instagram. I definitely recommend checking her out. Her Instagram is Boyana underscore strength underscore girl. And the reason I I wanted to specifically mention her Instagram is because she has such a profound impact um, on me. And so uh, she had shared with me a story that when about five, six years ago, I believe she was in the wrong place in the wrong time and was caught in a shooting that happened in a festival. And they're still unsure if she was shot six or seven times. But after she had shared a story, she was just smiling as if it didn't even happen. And I realized that this person had an experience completely different from me. I had always imagined someone going through it. They did like hating people and, and life, but Boyana just brushed it off, felt her emotions and went on with her life. And through her, she made me realize just how little I knew about people and how much I make assumptions and how much I may stereotype people. And like, I assume like this person went through this. So that means they act this way. Or this person went through this and they act that way. Like, no, no, uh, she's a public speaker now, impacting thousands of people all around the world. And one of them's myself. So I thought that was like a um, mind-blowing uh, experience uh, for me. And that was the first time I saw that theme, but I ended up seeing that theme like throughout the rest of my project with so many other people, uh, from people that like experienced earthquakes or dropped out of high school or just they bathe in the same river as crocodiles when they were young. It's just such a plethora of different experiences. And my mind was just filled with them. Yeah. Do you know if that was the, the Vegas music festival shooting? I've told a couple people this story and everybody asked me that, that same question. So I wasn't sure. It was actually in Serbia. Uh, I was at a okay. music festival in Serbia. And yeah, it was somebody that was upset about their ex and they had just shot uh, other people and she was just in the wrong place, wrong time. 
I'm not sure if I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but they had to amputate her left leg uh, because of that shooting. And so it completely changed the dynamic of her life. Because she was like a professional dancer or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it really boggled me because like that, I think, shifts things in your own life. So uh, definitely a big shout out to her. And um, I even mentioned her in my TEDx. I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, I'd love to talk about uh, and share with you, share with the people how much you made an impact on me. And I double checked with her and she was like totally fine. And and that's why I really want people to check out her Instagram because um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like she is a very powerful person. Agreed. Yeah. It's, um, especially I'm imagining if she was a professional dancer, her entire life was probably centered around dancing up until that time and to get her leg amputated and for her to no longer be able to do what was probably like her passion, her love, but still come out with such positive energy and still wanting to make an impact or, um, you know, go through life and, and experience this, this world of what is life is, is really impressive. I, there, there's always like some study that's quoted that everybody, um, like your level of happiness is, is really dependent on like how, like how you perceive the world or like how you come into the world, but they, and they did studies on different people that either good or bad, like they won the lottery. Uh, and then of course you'd see their happiness rise for a, a short period of time, but then come back to whatever their baseline level was over a, um, a short period of time. And then same with people that were diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, and if they were, a, they had some kind of level of happiness prior to that, of course, the news and the diagnosis of getting cancer set them, um, uh, would set them down at a lower level of happiness, but they would quickly come back to their baseline level of happiness too. So I find that really interesting that. Yeah depending on our circumstances, that doesn't necessarily impact how we view the world and our level, our level of happiness. Right. It's like, we can almost like, uh, let me know if you're going from this angle and I want to make sure I understand when you say happiness becomes almost like a habit. I would agree. I think that's true. I think it is, um, obviously we're, we're talking in huge generalities right now, but I do agree that to some extent, happiness is a choice. And a lot of that choice revolves around what you decide to do, uh, or what choices you decide to make uh, day in and day out. So, um, and sometimes it's just simply deciding that you want to have a good day. Sometimes it's surrounding yourself with the right people. Sometimes it's doing the things that bring you joy and happiness um, in terms of like, whatever experience or hobbies or things like that, that, that you're trying to pursue. Um, I have found that uh, in, in my life in particular, just from my own lens, the people that are unhappy will continue to be unhappy, regardless of what job they end up stepping into or what person they're dating in their life or what great circumstances happen. And then vice versa. I've had so many great people that I love to surround myself with that. Of course they have their good days and their bad days, but overall they're, they're looking at life and they're trying to make some meaning out of it, which is super interesting and cool, which to bring us back to the conversation at hand, um, you, you mentioned one of those stories that, that, that you've met uh, through your 100 Strangers project, but there, I know, are a couple other really meaningful relationships that came out of it. Before we jump into those, though, I'm interested, how did you make deep, meaningful relationships throughout this proje project outside of just seeing it as transactional? Because I'm sure you could have gotten through 100 Strangers and walked away with still zero friendships. Um, but it seems like you were very intentional with, uh, with this. And I think you brought an analogy in on one of the podcasts I was listening to. You're kind of like making relationships is like lemons. 
but making deep, meaningful relationships is like lemonade. So how do we get from lemons to lemonade? First of all, I want to share that I'm I'm still learning how to make lemonade. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll share about my own personal experiences uh, and how I've been able to make certain cases lemonade, but I'm still learning. I'm not an expert in <laughs> lemonade making. Um, I definitely say something I did and intention I set is, uh, so at first when I started this project, I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish and meet everybody within about three months is the goal I set. And obviously a few weeks in, I'm like, this is not possible because it, it almost felt like they, were, they became like boxes to check. Like, okay, I met this person. Yes, I'm one step closer, one step closer. And I still felt that way throughout my project. But I uh, then I purposely decided to spread it out once I realized that, hey, this is a theme. By spreading it out, I was more comfortable having longer conversations rather than them just like, okay, sorry, I got to go. I got to go to the next person. And so by doing that, that really helped out. And then also just by doing experiences even afterwards, like I ended up doing after the seven months, I think a month or two later, I hosted this gigantic event where I gathered everybody for my project. And I gather people from my friends and community and decide to host an event and where they get into breakout rooms and they can meet their own people. Although I wasn't in those breakout rooms where they met people from the 150 people, I still, I guess, was a part of that experience with them. And so whenever we have certain experiences with people, I think that's what helps build relationships. And then also I decided to send them the the letters that we had spoken about earlier um, where I sent a letter to each person with a free Ahmed Toronto tour and a little note. And I literally hand wrote a note for each person because I'm like, I want, and this is like a few months after my project. And so I really wanted to, I guess, create those relationships. And there's a lot of people that I haven't spoken to in over a year now. Um, but there's certain people I may talk to here and there. We all follow each other on social media. So um, and sometimes like not everyone we meet will turn to lemonade. Some relationships are just going to be like great as is. Uh, we have nothing against one another, but like there's not really much we can connect on. So there's just a level of respect that we can give one another. And so, but a lot of people, certain people, it's like, oh, we really connect. And that's where people like my girlfriend, uh, that's how our relationship flourished. We've been dating for a year and a half now, or even um, my mentor. Uh, or even just through other opportunities uh, and other people, I got a chance to meet. Um, and some people, I met some, one of their friends and I got to like build those relationships there, not with them, but maybe with one of their friends. So uh, definitely, I think building and creating lemonade is something such, such a powerful topic. Agreed. And it's, it's very interesting and I enjoy doing it. I love the web of, meeting people like I'm going to someday forget how I met you. Um, but we linked back to Richard and Richard linked back to somebody else. And that person linked back to somebody else for me. And it's so fascinating looking back and seeing all these different people that I met in order to get here in front of you today. Um, so yeah, it's, it, you never know who you're going to meet through somebody. You never know how you can help someone or how somebody can help you. Uh, and, uh, you know, how you could just 
how some even more impactful relationships might come out of one chance meeting, like you meeting your girlfriend, which is absolutely insane to me. Number 60, congrats. Um, super cool. And then I think you uh, also mentioned your mentor. I believe he was number 90. Um, and then indirectly, it sounded like you also got an opportunity that led you to what is now your dream job, which is working for this company, Seek Discomfort. So I would love if you could tell me a little bit about uh, who Seek Discomfort is and how you went about uh, applying for a job there. Okay, it's uh, definitely a long story, so I'm trying to break it down. <laughs> have, have fun, uh, <laughs> you make it your runway here. This is long format, so I, I love long stories. Sure, sure. And so, uh, first of all, let me try to explain, I think you had asked me what Seek Discomfort is. Mm -hmm. uh, Seek Discomfort is a apparel brand founded by this YouTube channel, Yes Theory. And they're actually the same um, ch channel that's sort of the Facebook group that I posted my project on. But what there is, is uh, it was a few guys that came together back in 2015, and they realized that the best things in life exist outside of our comfort zone. And when we say yes as individuals to opportunities that make us uncomfortable. And they end up like their YouTube channel flourished and it's been about, I think they're on their seventh, uh, 2015. So we're in seven years now. And so, um, they've built this whole community of, of, of seekers or they call themselves yet. Yeah, we call ourselves yes fam, uh, of people that just really want to, um, create that type of lifestyle that they did in their videos because we truly believe in it. And so I absolutely love uh, this channel. Actually, I first found out about it through my cousin and he shared me one of their videos. And uh, have you ever, has someone ever shared with you something and it just goes like over your head? I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, but yep. literally a few months later, I ran into their YouTube channel and I'm like, whoa, they're so cool and whatnot. And I actually <laughs> sent it to my cousin. And he was like, dude, <laughs> like that's the same channel I showed you. And I'm like, wow, I've been missing out. And I saw how much of an impact they made on his life because my cousin like ended up running a marathon and, and just went skydiving. And he actually ended up doing his own project where he goes on 100 calls. Uh, he, he went on 100 calls to meet people from yeah. the um, from the Estuary group, too. Mm. And so um, this community and this channel has made such a profound impact on me. And so I'm like, okay, this is my like I really really want to work there it's my dream job and by coincidence back in so a few months after I finished my project I believe it was in like exactly a year ago uh, or even end of February so around this time um, my girlfriend comment so at the time Seek Discomfort their apparel brand was doing these things called seeker calls where they meet people one-on-one -on -one from the community and they get to know them and and they hear them out and so by coincidence, my girlfriend, she got an opportunity to meet with the CEO, Brian, and uh, of, of Seek Discomfort. And so when she hopped on the call, she um, told them about my event that I did a few months before, where I gathered 150 people uh, from all over the world, from 20 countries. And Brian's like, oh, can uh, a few days later, after she had met him, uh, he reached out to both of us and said, hey, since you all have experience with creating large events, we're actually doing a our first large event uh, for our moonshot uh, drop. And he asked if we could help him out with it. And obviously, I'm like, this is like a ser very serendipitous moment. I'm like, heck yes, of course. Yeah. And um, I helped out. 
And then I, through that experience, I sent Brian an email a few days later. I'm like, hey, I'd I'd love to work for you. I'd love to, uh, is there an opportunity open? And I'll I'll create a pitch. And uh, can we meet in a few weeks, in like two weeks? And he said, sure. And so after that, I'm like, okay, I have Seek Discomfort. And yesterday, they have over 7 million subscribers and followers all, all over the place. And I'm like, I, I have this window that's like this big. We have thousands of people reaching out to them, asking to work for them. I needed, I absolutely needed to find my way to stand out, um, especially because they have so many people reaching out to them. And so I, um, the, right after he said yes, I, I was inspired by, um, beforehand, I was inspired by Amanda McWright, who actually pitched Seek Discomfort before too for her clothing line and they ended up saying yes and the way she pitched them was she got this box and uh, created the products and made it like this whole like show and display when she did her pitch uh, just to collaborate with them and I also had read the third door and other opportunities so I'm like okay I need to go big here and so the moment Brian had said yes for the interview. I um, asked him like, Hey, I want to send a package along with my interview. Uh, can you send me your address? And he was like, uh, I think what all he responded was, I like where this is going. And then he just sent me uh, his, his address. And then from there, I created a bunch of ideas, created a presentation out of it. And then I um, got prototypes of the ideas that I had made. I bought a, Oh, and then I even reached out to my cousin who is in film school he helped me film like a, a trailer for the ideas that I had created and then I created a presentation and then I reached out to local companies to make products of the ideas I made. And then I bought a briefcase from Amazon, spray painted their company logo on it. And I put their, uh, their prototypes uh, of the, that I made inside the briefcase. And then I sent it over to LA, but I didn't just send it to his address. I send it to somebody like a friend I had met at a conference a few years before. I send it to, I asked him if he could help me out and dress up as an FBI agent where he just dressed up, he dresses up in a suit, uh, wears like glasses and looks all like polished and professional. And I'm like, can you do this? And he said, sure. So I sent it to his address and, um, literally on the day of the interview and this is all in a span of two weeks like filming it presentation hiring the companies getting the briefcase everything and um i think everything that was ready i believe like two days before and i don't know how it all worked out and uh, it just i i literally i i, I was still working my old job too so i don't i don't really know i was just on like this autopilot blur mode. I don't even remember certain moments from it. And I was in, I guess I was in flow too. And so uh, the 10 minutes before the interview, I texted Brian. I'm like, Hey, um, can you come outside? And he's like, sure. He goes outside and he sees the FBI agent holding (laughs) the, the briefcase, the silver briefcase. And he's like, Brian Spunt. And he's like, yeah. And it gives him the briefcase. And by at the by the point like the within the before Brian even hopped on the the Zoom call interview, I was able to like show myself and impress him there because I'm like he did all of that and I haven't even met him yet. And so the first 
second that we hopped on the Zoom call, he's like, I got this. And he held up the briefcase. And I um, I asked him like, not to open it yet because uh, I wanted to run through the whole presentation. And at a certain moment, we open it. And we went through it. And um, at the end of that call, I, uh, I, got, uh, I got the job on the spot uh, to work uh, for as a... It's like, I guess I don't really have an official position, but I'd say like a marketing specialist uh, for them to run their social media account. And I wanted to make sure that whatever ideas I'm proposing, even if he doesn't like them, at least he'll see how passionate and how dedicated I am as an individual that he has no choice but to hire me. And I, uh, and it all worked out. It all worked out, and I had ended up spending over seven hundred fifty dollars uh, just for for everything, uh, like expedited shipping, ordering the products, paying the person to come at the exact time, and it, it just um, it was a huge risk that I took, but it just felt right to do at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I love that you bet on yourself here, and that. You had this opportunity and not only did you create this opportunity and execute on it, you went above and beyond. Like you really set the tone in that conversation. What was the feedback that you got from Brian whenever at the end of the conversation before he essentially offered you the job? Was he from the get-go like, dude, you're coming on board or like how'd the conversation go? Uh, the conversation went great and there's like a lot of flow where we're going back and forth, like brainstorm. We ended up brainstorming some ideas together at, during the call too. So I, I feel flattered that I got his gears to start turning too and um, definitely inspired me. Uh, Brian definitely inspires me a lot because he actually was um, one of the founders of um, his old professor uh, launched pop sockets. Uh, those are the things those, People that don't know they're on the back of our phone. And so he was, I think, the third person that had joined uh, when they first launched it. And um, just to see that I was able to create, um, create a creative sphere with somebody like that, I thought that was awesome. And just to see the way that conversation went was, was also great too. And uh, he definitely said he was really really shocked and impressed at the, the way that the interview went, that he's never experienced something like that before. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and I mean, the apparel brand is called Seek Discomfort. And here you are demonstrating how you are getting outside your comfort zone, creating this opportunity or this experience with inside the uh, job interview itself, but also challenging some of your own skill sets as well, creating like that professional film video, obviously connecting with your cousin and working with him to get this done, pushing yourself to probably get most of this done in like a 10 day span, which is crazy between how many of us can like even put together a professional PowerPoint in a 10 day span, but you did that PDFs, uh, the video pieced all of this together, created the prototypes. That's insane to me. Like it, it you, truly illustrated one of their core values in terms of like pushing yourself outside their outside your comfort zone. And um, I think that is what probably really came off when inside the interview itself. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to mention too, it's like, I definitely took a bet on myself, but I also feel like anybody can do it. Like, I, I know it's like I did a lot within a 10 day span, but I think if we really believe and want something and we believe in ourselves, it just, the pieces come together and we feel like we have no choice but to go for this opportunity. So um, although I was really like stressed out in those 10 days to make it work, I, th I really think anybody can can create something like that, if not bigger, 
uh, if they really, really believe in themselves and they believe in this opportunity. Yeah. Especially if you, you identify this as your dream job, like you are working for your dream company. So why not go in, all in on it? But I know you had a comment on your LinkedIn post where you're recapping this experience and somebody was asking you about was pushing back actually against um, going all in and um, kind of trying to unravel this culture that uh, so many younger people are in right now of like betting on yourself, going all in, which I think I absolutely love. I know you mentioned that in that post, he was concerned with the whole $750 and like you had to put it on credit cards and yeah. like that was his pushback there. What are, what your, your response to him was, was great. And I, I really appreciated that. But in, in terms of, uh, you know, taking a step out of that question, what were some of your thoughts around what he was presenting inside of that, that comment? First of all, I want to say, dude, I, I really appreciate your level of research. <laughs> I just <laughs> I, I was surprised that you even saw that comment and everything. So I really, really admire uh, you for that. I, I love that. I'm loving this conversation right now. Uh, in regards to that comment, yeah, I, he definitely um, didn't seem to agree with that mindset. And that's totally okay. And there's a lot of people who may listen to the story I shared and they're like, I disagree with this. I don't want to ever do this. And that's totally okay too. I think the beautiful thing about, about life uh, that I'm trying to understand myself is that there's never like a linear path to go like one certain way. We can go in different directions. And I think something I'm really trying to understand and remind myself for is that to never, and I, I think this is like one of the, I think we have certain laws or in our, in our mind. Like I'm like, this is a law that I want to follow for the rest of my life and anything that I do, that I never, ever want to take advice from somebody that I don't admire. And so there's a lot of people who may give us advice and give us opinions and whatnot. Everybody's been given advice that's listened to this podcast, is listening to this podcast right now. And I think, in my opinion, I believe the trick to life is to only take advice from people with attributes we admire. So for example, that person he may not have done that. And maybe he's giving other people advice like, oh, you should never do this or never do that. And he can, and that's totally okay too. But I think the people that are listening and receiving the advice, they want the, the fruits and the gifts that, that we have. They have to listen to people uh, that have gone about it and achieved what they did. For example, someone I admire is Jesse. He, Jesse Itzler. Uh, those that don't know him, he's just like, I definitely search him up. Uh, he constantly takes so much bets on himself. Um, and just to hear like, oh, he's in debt this year and this year because of this risk, this risk, this risk. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm not taking enough risks when I listen to his yeah. stories. And so it's like, um, I definitely think the biggest I think takeaway that I've learned in my 20s and that comment was a great reminder of was that I only take advice from people that I admire and that have uh, advice that I admire and people that have skills that I want to be more like. So it's something I'm going to literally pass on to my kids. It's just everything. And so, yeah, it's uh, such a, I feel very, very grateful um, about this lesson. I would agree. And I think that is a lesson that so many people need to learn, uh, end up learning. Um, we, I definitely thought I had a group that I 
was I was taking advice from a lot of different people that I realized in the long run, like, if I don't want to be them in 10 years, then why am I listening to their advice and vice versa? There's so many people that I admire so much that I'm like, I'm leaning in, I'm listening to every detail of what they're doing. You mentioned, we have a, a mutual love for Jesse Itzler too. I mean, I think that guy is incredible. Uh, I, I know David Goggins book is, is your number one, one of your number one uh, all-time reads as well. And I think we can gain and take a lot away from uh, David Goggins as well. And there are so many other people. I remember you and our, our initial conversation as well. You mentioned, you quoted that you can get to know somebody a lot by the people they admire, which I am a, a true believer in. So understanding the, like what you read, who you follow, um, who you invest a lot of your time into really is probably a great reflection of, of where you're trying to head. Um, so I, I mean, you've mentioned so many people in this conversation already that have made a huge impact on you, which is pretty cool, but let's talk about somebody else that's made a big impact on you. And that was one of your college professors and he or she gave you an assignment to start journaling. And, um, I want to take this thread in that direction because I think the first half of this entire interview, people have been hearing you tell these stories of what seems like, like really audacious and like, uh, uh, very like passionate stories. And it seems like you are really confident on betting on yourself, but I know that wasn't always the case. You didn't come into this world being a super confident kid. You were bullied growing up. You, you had some low self-esteem what, until what seemed to be this practice around journaling. So can you tell me how, what initiated you journaling for 700 days and what you took away from that practice? Uh, I love this story. And I think it's one of my favorite stories to personally share. So back in 2014, so I, I majored in psychology and I was in my second or third year in psych and I was in a abnormal psychology class. I had about like 200 to 300 people. And our professor mentioned that every single human being uh, on earth, if we really dig deep down, they have a core thought about themselves. And it could be like, oh, I'm great. I'm, I'm, I'm phenomenal or I'm a loser. I'm this or that. And I realized my core thought when I really dig deep down is I am a loser. I'm weird. I'm fucked up. Um, and just uh, every single term, it's like I couldn't even narrow it down to one line. There was just so much negative things about myself that I could say. And a lot of it had to do with maybe the bullying that I experienced or even just certain relationships um, uh, with people in, around me in my life growing up that just weren't that healthy. And so because of that ended up creating like a very negative mindset with I had a lot of low self-esteem. And so what I had to do, so when I heard that, I'm like, oh, wow. It was like a big wake up call moment. Like I have such, because of all the events that taken place in my life, I realized it accumulated to this, a very negative mindset about myself. And the professor then mentioned that if we want to challenge that mindset, one great way of going, she mentioned like a bunch of things like therapy and whatnot. And I'd already been taking therapy at that point, but one great thing was to start a journal and at the end of each day, write three great things about ourselves. And it could be like, um, and start with that core line that you want to change, uh, that, that you want yourself to say. So for example, my core line that I wanted to change was I'm great. And I wanted to start saying that about myself. And so I said, I am great because 
Um, for example, I opened the door for somebody. I'm great because I started a conversation with this stranger um, at, at this conference. And so for, I ended up, um, so I'm like, wow, this sounds such like a, such a cool project and experience. And so I'm like, I'm going to, the moment she said that journal, I realized I'm going to start this. I'm going to do it. I, I love it. And uh, I think something, a big theme in my life that I felt the most insecure and confident about is my social skills at the time. I really wanted to, like, I, I hated anything to do with public speaking. I remember back in high school, I would talk to my teachers. Like, I'm like, I don't care if I fail this presentation. I just don't want to do it. Like, I, I can't, I, I just, I feel uncomfortable sitting in front of 20 people and just sharing. And I also uh, felt that, um, yeah. And so it's just, I'm like, I even sat with my, um, I remember vice principal. I'm like, please, like, I don't want them to start. Uh, I don't want the teacher to pick on me in class and ask me to answer a question. I just don't want to do that. And so by the time I got to the class a few years, like after years and years of this, I'm like, I really don't want to feel this way anymore. And I especially want to challenge my social skills. And that's why I really want to change my mindset and start thinking of myself as great. And so while I was like thinking about all this and reflecting about my life and as after my professor said it, I think like a few minutes, five minutes had passed and I was like in my own world, like everything was coming together. And my professor was like, oh, um, I need a volunteer. I need some, I need a volunteer. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no, because at that moment when I was imagining, I'm like, I'm going to start saying yes, more to opportunities. I'm going to start challenging myself. And uh, I think I thought by, by then, uh, yes, there hadn't come out. Like it wasn't made yet, but I was thinking back about the movie. Yes, man, that I had watched. Um, it's a really cool movie about this guy that says yes uh, to everything that comes up. And so I'm like, Oh no. Oh no. When she says she needs a volunteer, like I have to say yes now. Um, but I'm like, I promised myself I would literally two minutes ago. I can't go back on it. And so I don't know, it felt like it just an autopilot. I just raised my hand and to ask to be one of the volunteers and lo and behold, I don't know how there's like 20, 30 other people that raised their hands. Maybe she saw the determination in my eyes or the nervousness. I don't know she chose me to be one of the volunteers. So she asked me to come at the front of the class and she's asked me to participate in this experiment. And it was like for a few minutes long, um, but it was like 200, 300 people. And there were some people I remember from my high school there too, uh, in that class. And it was just it went great. It went nothing happened. It's just, it felt yeah. great afterwards. People clapped for me at the end for participating. And even some people started conversations with me during the break or even after class, after they saw that. And I was like, wow, it almost like was a, such a big positive reinforcement uh, for myself. And so uh, it, that ended up becoming my first journal entry I wrote. And I still have the journal back from 20, September 2014. I'm like, I'm great because I volunteered in my normal psychology class with about 200 to 300 people. I think I said 250 people. And I, and I ended up continuing that same journal for 700 days um, consecutively. Although there was probably a week or uh, some weeks in between that I didn't do it, but I ended up going back and thinking about what I did on those days and writing and filling it in. So 
I, um, yeah, I ended up doing it for 700 days and it just completely, I think, shifted my mindset. I even went to Italy and traveled, uh, I think on day like 400 or something. And I have an, like almost, I've documented every, like three things I did from every single day during my trip. And so now it's so cool because I can look back at like what I had done and whatnot. But I guess long story short is after I started writing that journal and by starting and going big with volunteering in that class, I ended up setting the tone for the rest of the journal where I constantly found ways to like challenge myself and stretch myself outside of my comfort zone and to take on. And I started to actually enjoy more public speaking in my life. And I think that was something huge, huge that came out of it. So I am great because, and now how would you fill in that question? Uh, I am, well, uh, sorry, not sure if I explained it too well, but I wrote, I'm great because, and I wrote what I did that day. Something that was great. So So I guess the initial prompt to to start that, that, that inner thought, I guess that, that core thought, I know you mentioned the, your, your core thought was, I am a loser. I am a weirdo. I am fucked. Now that core thought is, what would you say? I am phenomenal. I am a leader and I am capable of doing things that people, uh, because of my grit, I have phenomenal grit. I'm capable of doing things that make me run and win in the marathon. It's not really a line, but I can, it's like, I see my life as like a a marathon or a sprint. And so I'm able, because of my grit, I'm able to accomplish and run in that uh, marathon and win. So you go from completing that inner thought as I am a loser, I'm a weirdo, I am fucked to now uh, in the sense of I have grit. Um, I, I, I am phenomenal. Like so many, those are very, very different polar words. So I'm curious, specific, I, I know you, you point to your journaling practice as what might've changed or made that shift for you. But to, particularly about that journaling practice, was it going back and seeing and getting reminders of what you're great about that, that changed your mindset? Was it the actual prompt, um, knowing like that day I need to go do three things that I can write down or complete the, I am, I'm, I am great because phrase, like, what do you think ultimately led you to changing your mindset between, uh, day one of journaling to day 700 of journaling? It's interesting. Cause what, I think the biggest part that really led me there is either through like books or learning, watching YouTube videos about what is the best mindset for myself to have. And so I almost like shot an arrow. I'm like, okay, I want to learn to say myself that I'm great or I'm a leader. I'm a phenomenal. I have a grit. And I start to say those things before they even became real. And I believed them in my own mind. And so the journaling almost became like an excuse to practice saying them and writing them. Cause at first I wrote, I'm great. But then I start to say all those other words, like I'm phenomenal. I'm a leader. I'm grit. I'm grit. It's so I start, I almost was able to like brainwash myself through the direction that I had intended and the journaling and what I wrote was just a way to practice and build those bricks for me to start believing, uh, believing in what I had shared. So it was almost like an interconnected process, but it's like, it didn't come after the journaling. It came almost like before the journaling, if that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. 
So you knew where you were and where you wanted to head with in terms of your mindset or, or a rough idea that you wanted to improve it. I think it sounds like reading probably gave definition to exactly where you wanted to pinpoint. And then the practice of journaling just allowed you to A, be responsible, to continue to do at least three little things every single day so that you could validate that you are great. And then also, it sounds like a little bit of the reflection as well, whenever you're writing those down there, you get the repetition and the reinforcement that, yeah, I am great because I held the door. I am great because I went up there and volunteered in front of my class today. I am great. That is, that's super cool. And I think what you feed your mind uh, ultimately leads you to where you're going. And you were flushing out a lot of negative things and ultimately putting in at least at minimum three really great thoughts, but I'm assuming they popped up all over the place as this uh, journaling practice got a little bit more of a habit. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so cool just to see it all, all just come together. And yeah, it was just, it almost, it almost reminds me and goes back to the conversation we were having about 20, 30 minutes ago about happiness and the happiness is a habit. Cause also I didn't expect this to happen, but something that came out of this journaling practice is I felt so much happier. And it's because I had, I got a chance to celebrate myself in those moments. Every single time I wrote, I'm great because I held the door open. I'm great because I talked to this person. It's like, I took a moment to say, ah, you know, I am great for this. And I saw, I got a chance to celebrate myself. And I think the happiness and celebrating ourselves can kind of be connected. Uh, this is just how I've seen it in my own life, but taking moments to celebrate and appreciate myself and it really made a huge, gigantic difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think a lot of people are doing way more than they think they are, even if it's not contributing to their happiness, uh, success, whatever it may be. Like I know, I, I think it was either 2020 or 2021, you did the five to 10 goals that you, or accomplishments that you had, small wins that you had every single month. And you came out with this list at the end of the, the year with like, 60 to 120 different accomplishments or small wins that you had throughout there. And that's a really good re reflection, especially high performers. And so many of them listen to this podcast. We often forget about all of the things we've accomplished. We only are thinking about the things that we haven't done yet. So we're beating ourselves up about, we need to do this. We need to do this. And then you actually take a look back and you're like, holy cow, like I did these 10 things uh, this month that really like moved the ne needle forward. Yeah. And I can, and I'm definitely, I think that's been a big theme in my life because I realized this negative mindset that I'm carrying with me is, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it. Before I was like, I'm a loser or fucked up. But now it's like, I'm not doing enough. And um, I, that's where I'm trying to start really rewiring my own brain and start to teach myself that like, hey, I, I have done so much and I want to celebrate and take a moment. As a matter of fact, even just the emotion of feeling excitement and celebrating, I realize I don't feel much. So I need to start practicing and even as I'm meditating or whatever I'm doing, taking a moment just to practice feeling excited, practice feeling the emotion of celebration. So I really want to add that more into my own life. And I think, um, yeah, just getting that, I think it's so, it goes such a long way. Would you say... How would you say you are when it comes to celebrating yourself and feeling excited and proud of yourself? Where would you say you stand? Yeah, I think along with most people too, I don't do enough space or enough work in that space. I think I could definitely celebrate more. I am a type A where I'm like, onto the next thing, keep moving forward. 
but I have tried to bring that back into practice. So I'll talk specifically about the podcast. My brother helps me now with the podcast as well. And we have a biweekly meeting and the first five to 10 minutes of that meeting, we celebrate small wins related to the podcast. It could be the interviews we've had or a project that we've done since we've last met, or uh, if a specific episode is doing rather well, or even if it's not doing rather well, one person listening, awesome. Um, we like to celebrate even that. So yes, I think bringing some intentionality every single time that we meet in order to make sure that we're not getting caught up in the rat race of like, I'm not doing enough to move this forward is really important. And I'm trying to do that in all aspects of my life. So I also have a journaling practice as well. And part of that journaling practice is to, I write a short journal entry every single day, but now I'm, I'm on two years. So I go back and I, I read the journal entry from the year prior and the year prior to that. So my 2020 and my 2021 journal entry. And I have found that really meditative because I get to get a lens into where I, I am. And I was journaling enough at that point in time. So I'd give my future self prompts or pats on the backs. Like, Hey, Justin, like, remember when you had this conversation today, you did such a great job on that. Like, or like, Hey, we had this mistake or this mess up here, but like, I can only imagine my one year self from now is probably not going to care that much. And you probably improved this area pretty substantially. So I'm getting like a reflection back to my older self. And I get to like, have a really good foundational point of like where I, where I was and where I'm going. And that helps root me on like a lot of the progress that I've made over just a short amount of time, like one year time. I can't imagine if you extrapolate that and put that in a 10 or 20 or 25 year um, horizon, like how much of a different person I'm going to be in a good way. Uh, if I keep continuing some of these small practices, because yes, I think the hardest thing with, let's just call it professional development in general is realizing all of these small micro habits, how they stack on each other and how much of an impact they can make. Maybe not in the day to day, but in the month to month or year to year time frame, like for me, picking up my first book and reading my first book didn't make like a huge impact on me, even though it did open up the gates of like, I started like thinking and learning, like just getting excited about learning a bunch of things. But then I found 18 months later, after I'd read a bunch of books, like I was saying words that I didn't know before, uh, concepts came a little bit clearer to me. I pulled things from different books and put them into practice. So I was like going back and like looking at all the books that I read and I was like, holy cow, like it's crazy how much I've actually done over that small period of time. So I have these different moments or reflection points throughout uh, that really change that. And I know very similar to that experience, you also read some books and it's really interesting actually where that came from. So you, um, you came to uh, Canada whenever you're a toddler and you have been learning English from a small age, but in fifth grade, you got transferred from the regular English class to the second, to the um, English as a second language classroom. And that seemed like it impacted your self-esteem, especially around English and writing and reading. And you decided like, like so many other things in your life that you really wanted to push on, on that thought process and maybe even redefine what you thought in that area. And to do that, you created a, a project where you're going to read a hundred books. Uh, you wrote a blog post around the 19 lessons that you learned from reading these 100 books. Some of my favorites were the uh, number six, my habits improved, which I think makes a lot of sense. You, you create one good habit like reading, and then a lot of other great habits come out of that. Number seven, I became friends with my imagination again. That one's interesting. And I'd love to scratch that one a little bit, but I'm going to actually ask you about number 19 books, help me understand the game of life better. 
What did you mean by that? I'd say to narrow it down is I started to understand that, and I think this relates to the podcast too, is that in school, I learned certain things, you know, and I feel like school only prepared me for university. But through books, I felt like I was learning about, I was going through school again, but through life. And so it's like, I really got to understand life on a deeper um, level and whether it be my relationships with people, the way um, communities gather, the way help me with my finances. It could be just an array of topics that I don't really learn and I didn't really learn in school, but these books, these professionals, people that were experts in those fields, it's like I got to learn from them. So I felt more prepared and I felt like I could navigate life better and more clearly just through these books. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think we often forget that we have access to thousands of mentors through 260 pages. Like so many incredible people have given us the gifts of their thoughts, their condensed thought through thoughts by through through their books. And that's why I love books. I think you mentioned them, you call them the concept of authors as book coaches, which I, I totally agree with. Uh, maybe in this analogy that you were explaining too, it's kind of the professors. And uh, you worked through quite a list of different professors classes, you know, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, J.K. Rollins, the Harry Potter series, um, I know is one of your favorites, Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins, we mentioned that earlier in the show. Um, any book in particular from that list of 100 that left a huge impact on you? One that comes to mind uh, right now is The Power of Habit. Uh, I forgot the author's name now, uh, but it really helped me understand the way that we do our habits as human beings. And that sometimes like if we have, it just helped me better organize and set my goals. So for example, if I have a goal of, of like uh, even just I'll relate it back to the recent TEDx that I did. And so it's like having almost like a morning routine before the TEDx and doing that during my practices was really helpful. Like for example, it mentioned, um, Oh, I can't forget. I can't remember the swimmer's name. He's a very uh, famous swimmer. Uh, but before his swimming races, he literally does the same exact thing every single time. He puts on his headphones, listens to a certain song, or music, and then he does this. Maybe he talks to this person and then he does his race. And so getting a chance to understand that having these and repeating these same habits over and over again, the small little wins, they make a difference and help us achieve the big wins. So this book made a profound impact on my life when it comes to realizing that I, how to condition myself as a human being. In psychology, we always talk about like conditioning and whatnot, but like there's so many things I'm conditioning myself about just through those small little habits. So it made me recognize the small little habits I'm doing in my life that are making an impact on the ginormous habits. Man, this has been a great conversation. I love all the different stories. I would like to point people to connect with you if they want to, to reach out, learn some more about what's going on in your life. Where is a good place for people to reach out and get connected? Yeah, my Instagram is the first place, Ahmed.jabber, and my LinkedIn is the second. I, I'll always check uh, there. Awesome. Ahmed, anything that you're um, 
you're currently working on. I love all the projects and experiments that you run, especially to like push, push different angles of your life. I know you just went through the TEDx piece to it as well, which, which was very specific to, to something that you were trying to learn and, and further on anything that is current you're currently working on that you'd like to share. Yeah, I definitely am trying to connect with my own, uh, I guess with myself spiritually more. Uh, I try to understand myself and my, I guess, uh, just really digging deep to my own inner child and really trying to grow there. And the second is for my fitness. I feel like I've put that in the back burner. So those are two big focuses going on in my life right now. After my TEDx, I realized I felt like I was out of equilibrium with those two things. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to focus on public speaking. I'm just going to work on those uh, things right now. So I feel excited over the next few months. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. I think you were like signing up for maybe a uh, Tough Mudder or something. Aren't you doing something in the fall? Yeah, in, in May, I'm going to do a Spartan race with uh, my friends. So I'm really excited okay. for that. I've never been. I've always always wanted to go to a Spartan race. I've never went. So I'm uh, super stoked uh, for that. Yeah, that will be a really cool experience. And I think you also have the goal. I don't know if this is still true to walk a marathon every year for like until you're 100 or something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about, I just really want to set uh, certain goals that really, I think health is something that's so big for me. It really is something that I want to make sure that I'm like I'm living to 100 and I'm healthy. And although like living to 100 and, and walking a marathon is a very audacious goal, but at least I'm headed toward that direction. So even if it doesn't happen, even if it, like I'll, at least maybe I'll run one when I'm seven, I'll walk one when I'm 70. So last year with my roommate, I set a goal of like, hey, I want to walk or run a marathon every year until I'm 100 years old. And it happened, we ended up walking it spontaneously on that same day. We walked it for like 10 hours. So we ended up going from our apartment all the way to the CN Tower and back. And that was uh, a marathon length. It was like 10 hours. And I'm like, I want to do this every single year. And so um, I don't know when uh, this year's marathon is going to be, whether it's going to be a run or a walk. I'm still trying to figure that those details out, but I'm, uh, I want to do that. And it's, it's a way to keep myself accountable to be healthy, no matter what age I'm at. Hmm, I love that. I'm in final question for you, man. If you had the opportunity to teach a 16 week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you, what would you teach and how would you teach it? Mm, I definitely uh, say, although I feel like schools are kind of touching on this, but really understanding our emotions and finding ways to express our emotions and coming together and being there with one another when we express our emotions. Uh, so whether it be anger, I think anger is like an emotion that we avoid as human beings a lot. Our, and just whether it be excitement, sadness, happiness, but creating spaces to uh, appreciate and allow ourselves to release those emotions. I think they can go a long way and they help out to help us out and create so much more clarity in our everyday to day life, but just by learning to speak and release about them. So uh, the, the, that's the class, but the way I do it is just by people coming together and they literally just do it. They, they dig deep down and they allow themselves to cry. They allow themselves to get angry. Um, just being there and creating a sense of community through just digging deep. And uh, it's definitely something I, I'd love to do.
And I would have no doubt that you would also probably incorporate some really cool facilitators as well. Maybe someone like Preston Smiles comes to mind for me. Uh, I think he would be like a great facilitator in one of those discussions. Uh, so yeah, I attended his conference a few years ago and uh, it really made an impact on me through understanding my emotions and practicing releasing them. So he'd definitely be uh, phenomenal at that. <laughs> I so appreciate you coming on the show. This has been such an enjoyable Sunday morning. I've had a blast researching you and reading some of your, your articles. You're an incredible writer, which uh, is even more impressive knowing that English, you got moved to English as a second language and you've been working on this over the last 10 years or so. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the Medium articles that I've read. Looking forward to, to the next. And um, Ahmed, thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Justin, I have so much gratitude to you. I loved this experience and I, I, I'm just in shock at how much you researched. I feel very flattered and I hope uh, whoever's listening really took something away from our conversation you can always feel free to reach out and uh, let's chat so thank you justin for creating this opportunity for me hey everybody thanks for listening if you like this conversation today be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified about new episodes if you want to connect with me send me a message on instagram i'm at justin lee peters you can find show notes with links to everything we discussed today at justinpeters.co this episode was produced by Gabby Dimeke. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Thanks for tuning in.